From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 24th, 2023 from Des Moines, Iowa, specifically the front seat of my Ford Mustang. Yeah, baby. Listen to these horses. They're running. They're running out here in the Midwest, folks. (laughs) It's a 2022. 2022. And just so you know, some information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it, but this Mustang will always be. This episode features our final look at Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley's first campaign swing through the early voting states of New Hampshire and Iowa since publicly launching her campaign on February 15th in Charleston. And yes, Russ McKinney, the Russ McKinney, will give us an update on what happened at the Statehouse this week. Now the lead loves to hear from everyone, from people in power to the people that hold the power. Folks like you. So give us a shout. Tell us what's on your mind. Give us your hot takes, your unpopular opinions, or any questions you want answered at 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. Tell us about your travels, what you're doing, if you're still adhering to your New Year's resolution. I didn't make any this year, but I'm sticking to them. 803-563-7169. Welcome back to the campaign trail, dear listeners. So at her previous events in Charleston and her town halls in New Hampshire, former Governor Nikki Haley was introduced by two anti-establishment types, 5th District Congressman Ralph Norman and former Republican Senate candidate Don Bulldog, respectively. But at her first event in Iowa, she was introduced by Governor Kim Reynolds, who is not endorsing any candidate for the 2024 caucus, but her presence was undeniable given her influence as a rising star in the Republican Party, kind of just like Nikki Haley. Haley is the first 2024 presidential candidate to visit the state, despite other potential candidates milling about, including Senator Tim Scott, who toured a private Catholic school on Wednesday with Governor Reynolds, and then held two events that day, including one where she introduced him. We'll have more Scott coverage on Tuesday, including his message, which sounded very similar to five speeches that I've heard recently. But here is Governor Reynolds introducing her friend Nikki Haley at Royal Flooring, a flooring and home improvement showroom in Urbandale, Iowa, right outside of Des Moines. Here in Iowa, we are going to do it right. We are going to make sure that once again, the country knows why Iowa is first in the nation. They know that we are going to show them who we are. We are going to not only have the opportunity to test the candidates, we're gonna give them the opportunity to test their message as they travel across the state of Iowa. And what's great about Iowa is they're gonna have the opportunity to talk to Iowans who are knowledgeable about the issues. So it's a great opportunity to converse with Iowans. And voters are gonna have the chance to learn a little bit more about the character of the candidates that are running. And so we wanna make sure that we have somebody that's gonna stand firm, that'll stand up, fight back, and get this country back on track, right? Their chemistry is undeniable, and it's clear that they're good friends and have a lot in common there. While Reynolds was reelected to her second term in November, she isn't giving any endorsements this cycle. But one person in the crowd I spoke with said that introduction might as well have been one. I recently read a profile on Reynolds by the Des Moines Register's chief politics reporter, Brianne Fothensteel. And so to get a better understanding about Iowa politics and what an appearance with Reynolds signals to voters, I sat down with Brianne at the Des Moines Register newsroom. 
I mean, I think it signals to Iowa caucus go to goers that they should take this person seriously. Clearly, Governor Reynolds had an existing relationship with Nikki Haley that she was able to talk about. She was able to share personal details and really talk about what she knew of, of Nikki Haley and not kind of just talking points. It clearly came from, from her. And so I think that signals to Iowa caucus goers that they should give Nikki Haley a chance, even in this big field of, of you know, many potential candidates that we're expecting to see. Brianne also gave us a read on what it's like on the ground right now for all these presidential hopefuls that constantly stream through the state. Recently, former Vice President Mike Pence and Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake were in town, as well as South Carolina's own Haley and Scott this week. Iowa, however, is one early voting state that Trump has yet to visit, though a trip sounds like it's in the offing, according to one Republican official I spoke with. Here's Brianne. There's so much happening behind the scenes that we're not seeing at these big rallies. You know, I think, um, you know, the staff that Nikki Haley has, the staff that Tim Scott has, they're going to be sitting down with Iowans who just came off of campaigns in the midterms, right, to say, you just traveled the state, you are just in connection with all of the grassroots. What do we need to know? Where do we need to be? Who do we need to be talking to? Those are all kinds of things that are happening privately. And the Iowa caucuses are really built around grassroots organizing. And so being in touch with those things, not necessarily, you know, blasting the state with TV ads. So those kinds of connections and conversations are just absolutely critical. And a little side plug, I've already got a subscription to the Des Moines Register, support local journalism, especially if you want to know what's going on the ground here. It's a fantastic resource. And just so you know, we're gearing up to bring you all SCETV.org slash SC2024 soon which will have a candidate tracker, videos, and more on the candidates and hopefuls that come through the Palmetto State. Now, back here in Iowa, well, it's a little bit different than New Hampshire and feels actually a bit more like South Carolina. Iowa is a large rural state of 3.2 million people, and it's pockmarked by medium-sized cities like the capital Des Moines, which has a metro area just a hair smaller than Columbia. But it has more of a big city downtown feel and better shopping, folks. There's a West Elm here and cute boutiques. The city, like others, is spread along an interstate that doesn't cut across forests of pine, but endless, snowy, windswept fields where you can see towering wind turbines and imagine the rows of crops that will be popping up in a few months. So kind of like driving through the PD region, but an entire state of it. No tobacco or cotton, though. But Iowa is more similar to New Hampshire in some purple ways. For example, Iowa voted for Barack Obama twice and Donald Trump twice. Its legislature and governor are Republican, but the state continues to become redder. Its congressional delegation is all Republican now, thanks to a pickup by Zach Nunn in the midterms. Nunn also attended the Haley rally, as did Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks, who sat next to Reynolds at the town hall in the front row. Miller-Meeks is also not endorsing anyone, but told me this about running in Iowa. So I think what's important about Iowa as a state and being first in the nation in the caucuses is that this is an opportunity for anyone to be able to put their name on the ballot and come forward as a presidential candidate. You don't have to have a lot of money, you just have to be willing to put in the time and effort and the shoe leather to meet people. So you don't have to have a lot of money, you don't have to be well established, and you don't have to be a known uh, figure or name. You don't have to spend tons of money on TV advertising. Whereas the primary states, and uh, I, although I love South Carolina, you know, as a state being first in the nation on the Democrat slate, you know, you have to be well established. You don't get the same vetting through a TV commercial that you do for meeting people face to face. You don't get the same questions and you really don't get a sense of, is that person authentic? You know, is what they're telling you something that you just want to hear? Or is that truly what they believe in? And you have to have a lot of money to do TV advertising. You just don't get a sense of who a person is from a TV advertisement. 
than you do if they come to your door or if you're at you're with them at a meeting asking them what they believe in and what they're going to do. So that might be tricky for someone like Trump to get out and about in these 99 counties and press the flesh when donors and staff are drying up and other opponents like Haley are set to put the time in on the ground here. As for Miller Meeks, she'd like to see a smaller field of candidates, which many people I talked to also want as it would prevent Trump from dividing and conquering the field like he did in 2016. I'm hoping that, you know, uh, on, we know on the Democrat side there probably will be one candidate as uh, typically a president will run for re-election. On the Republican side, I am hoping that the field is a little bit smaller this time around. Iowans got a chance to hear and see Haley up close like those did in New Hampshire. At this stop in Urbandale, she took several questions from the audience, more than the typical three in New Hampshire, and had this one posed to her by Gary Leffler, who has previously run for Congress. Why should we vote for you in the caucus instead of perhaps someone like Trump? Because I don't think you have to be 80 years old to be in D.C. I really don't. Look, President Trump is my friend. I think he was the right president at the right time. He came in, he broke the things that needed to be broken, and he fixed them, and I was proud to serve in his cabinet. But we, as dire of a situation as this is, as much as all the media and everybody wants to talk about the past, we need to leave the status quo in the past in the past. We've got work to do. We've got to look forward. We've got to figure out what we're going to do for America. This is bigger than a person. This is bigger than a person, and we need to fight for that. And so what I'm telling you is we need to make sure that we've got the energy, the power, and the ability to bring more people in that will see that our solutions are the right ones because we believe in lifting up everybody, not a select few. There was a similar question posed to Haley two hours away in eastern Iowa the next day when she was asked whether she'd be Trump's running mate or vice versa. Here's what she said then, and listen to the back portion of her answer as it changes from the one that she gave Gary. I'm wondering if you would consider President Trump as your running mate or vice versa. <laughs> All right, Bob, think about that for a second. How well do you think it would go over if I call President Trump and said, you want to be my VP? <laughs> Look, let me tell you, I, um, President Trump is my friend. Um, I called him before I did this. We had a good conversation. He was the right president at the right time. He broke the things that needed to be broken, and he worked to fix them. The reason I'm running is we got to move forward. We got to move forward. We can't keep dealing with these issues in the past. And I think that we need a young generation of leaders. I mean, Look at Washington, D.C. You will see me say all day long, we have got to have term limits in Congress. We've got to have them. And yes, we have to have mental competency tests for everyone over the age of 75. That's not personal. We've got seniors who can do many things. The reason why I'm saying that we need that is you should have transparency. Government's supposed to work for the people, not the other way around. Bernie Sanders lost his mind because I asked for that. He's exactly the reason we need it. He's exactly the reason we need it. So we went from not being about one person and bringing in more folks to, let me tell you about competency tests for those folks over 75, which includes Trump as well as Joe Biden. But let's get back to Gary, because following the event, I caught up with him after he spoke to Haley and got her autograph. 
I wanted to hear what he thought about her response to his question and how he sees things heading into the 2024 caucuses after working for Trump in the past. Because, you know, if you really, my, I had the people from the Trump campaign, they called me because I own America's most popular tractor, one that the governor has been on before. And, uh, you know, there's just been some things that he has not, just a little bit tripping about some of his decisions lately. So it's, it, there is a door, there is an opening here. And it's gonna be exciting to see what person comes to Iowa and says, you know what, I'm gonna open that door a little bit wider and see what Iowa does. I think, you know, that everyone, you know, obviously Iowa went for Trump. And so, you know, we went for him by a large mar large margin. And we're looking for a candidate that would say, hey, this is the difference between President Trump and myself. And I thought she did a great job on everything that she uh, talked about. She gave clear, concise answers. Hey, what she did as a governor to address these different problems. And uh, I thought that that was great. When it came down, I, I, I think that she could have been a little stronger on her differences between her and Trump. Um, I'm sure that her and her staff are going to go back and look at that because did she give a compelling reason for me not to vote for Trump and to vote for her? She opened the door. There's a, there's a crack in the door. But uh, I think she could have opened the door even further than what she did. So a lot there to unpack from Gary, and that was just one anecdote of how 2023-2024 is not like the 2015-2016 cycle. Now I've been hearing mixed responses as you can imagine to Haley's call for a competency test for politicians 75 or over to hold office. Called a gimmick, a way to get headlines and ding opponents. I mean, it's not exactly in line with Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5 of the U.S. Constitution, which lists only three qualifications for president. You gotta be at least 35 years old, be a natural born citizen, and must have lived in the United States for at least 14 years. But Donald Stiefel, who was 82, heard Haley in Urbandale and said, if she's serious about this, then she shouldn't discriminate based on age. We follow the candidates. This is the first time I've been around Nikki Haley. I've, I, I knew some of what she did uh, as ambassador working for President Trump. I didn't follow her as governor at all. But I like I liked what she had to say tonight. I, I just talked to her a minute ago. I'm 83 years old in a couple of months, and I didn't like that she was going to limit the candidates. If you're going to have a competency test, don't age discriminate. I'm just as competent as lots of 25 or 30-year-olds. Mentally, I still play softball with a bunch of 50-year-old guys, winter and summer. I, I don't like any sort of discrimination, and of course I'm more biased on the age, I suppose. I'm just glad there's no test to have a podcast. But seriously, Haley left that crowd in Urbandale with an ask to join her in her fight, again using the word badass, a word she prefers over ambitious. When we speak, the world listens. What we do, the world follows. Who we are, the world wants to be. Now we got to do it one more time. And let me tell you, you know the one thing we need? The one thing I need you to commit to is we need to send a badass Republican woman to the White House. David Oman knows Iowa politics. He's a former chief of staff for Iowa governors Robert Ray and Terry Branstad. 
He served four terms as Iowa Republican Party co-chair from 1985 to 1993 and was a candidate for governor in 1998. He was at the Urbandale event and he stood out a bit because he was wearing a suit and tie, but he wasn't out of place because he knows so many folks. We spoke about his initial thoughts on Haley and the challenges she faces. I'm one who believes strongly that we cannot have a repeat of 2015 and 2016. At one point, we had 17 people running. Uh, ben Carson, Bobby Jindal, Carly Fiorina, and 14 Caucasian males. And uh, not all of them even made it to caucus time, let alone through the caucus on to New Hampshire. Uh, I hope we have a much smaller field that will really define uh, who the best candidate is and send those people forward. Uh, if, if, if we want to re-elect, re-nominate Donald Trump, a big field will help him. If we want to give somebody a chance and maybe have an alternative for Donald Trump, not a third term, then we could probably only see about four, five, six, maybe seven people. And after Iowa, maybe that number gets cut in half. I don't, but, but we're also looking for somebody uh, who can actually put the party together, who has ideas and a forward vision that can draw independence to our ticket in a couple of years. And by the way, who would also be a really good president work with Congress, work with the governors, uh, and around some good policy ideas. Nikki Haley showed us tonight that she has that potential. So I think she'll leave here feeling good about her first stop. Now she just needs to come back and back and back and really meet people where they are, listen to them, answer their questions as she did tonight. And who knows, in a shorter, smaller field, uh, she could do well. In Tuesday's lead, I'll bring you remarks from Senator Scott, who was on his Faith in America listening tour, and we'll hear what Gary Leffler and David Oman thought about him as well, because they were there. It's a small, small place up here. Now, Haley is set to return to Iowa on March 10th for a foreign policy forum hosted by the Bastion Institute. Senator Joni Ernst will also attend. I will not attend. SCETV and the lead, however, will occasionally follow Haley outside of the state during this campaign cycle, as she is our homegrown candidate will give similar treatment to Senator Scott when he enters the race. Yeah, not if, when. Now, why these guys over others? Well, the South Carolina connection, folks. It's not every four years that we have a South Carolinian run a legitimate campaign for president. So, would it make sense for us to make another swing? We'll be there and bring you the voices of people like you in our fellow early voting states. Now, while we may have been in full tilt 2024 campaign mode here, that doesn't mean that the legislature has stopped. We are blessed, blessed, beyond measure, too stressed to be blessed, that the Russ McKinney has this report to catch us up on what's been going on under the copper-covered cupola in Columbia. I'm Russ McKinney. State lawmakers have a long list of public safety bills on their agenda for this legislative session. That list includes cracking down on violent offenders being chronically released on bond, stemming the fentanyl epidemic, allowing capital punishment to resume, and pay increases for police. All of those bills advanced through the General Assembly this week. So did a controversial gun bill that opponents claim will make the state less safe. The Republican-controlled House of Representatives passed a bill that will allow persons 18 and older to openly carry firearms in the state, except where they would be expressly prohibited, in places like schools, government buildings, and businesses where owners would opt not to allow them. Current law allows people to openly carry handguns in public after taking a safety course and getting a state permit. Speaking on the House floor, Greenville Republican Bobby Cox said that people are afraid and want to protect themselves. H-3594 is true to its name. 
It's the Constitutional Carry and Second Amendment Preservation Act. This will open up options to families to protect themselves without waiting for a permit. It cracks down on those who illegally own firearms. And South Carolina residents can still get the training that they need, but they don't need a permission slip from the government to exercise that right. Almost all Democrats in the House voted against the bill, including Representative Seth Rose of Columbia. This is dangerous. This is going to cost lives. People will die. But we'll change. We'll, do, we'll take this bill up and we'll say, hey, we're going to lower the age from 21 to 18 to walk around with a loaded gun on your hip. Does that seem smart to you? The bill would also increase penalties for persons who illegally possess firearms and would prohibit anyone with a felony conviction of more than one year from openly carrying. It now goes to the Senate. Also pending in the House is a bill with bipartisan support aimed at closing the revolving door of persons committing crimes while being out on bond from a previous violent crime. Lexington Republican Chris Wooten, a former state and federal law enforcement officer, said the bill is aimed at the same people getting arrested over and over. Someone gets arrested, uh, they get their bond, they get out on the street, they do it again, they come back in, judge their jails are full, whatever, they do it again. So it would create a stiffer penalty and keep folks in jail. It would keep a violent offender in jail. A similar bond reform bill is in the Senate. The Senate this week passed a proposed law that would shield the identity of pharmaceutical companies that sell lethal injection drugs used for state death penalties. Some 34 men are on South Carolina's death row, but the state hasn't been able to carry out an execution since 2013 due to not being able to get the lethal drugs. A new law aimed at getting around the problem by reinstating the electric chair and adding death by firing squad as a capital punishment option is being challenged in court. The Senate also this week passed a bill greatly increasing penalties for persons trafficking synthetic fentanyl. Because of the potency of small amounts of fentanyl, senators struggle to find a way to differentiate between innocent addicts and dealers. Here's Georgetown Republican Stephen Goldfinch. Sticking with our theme, which I think is agreeable amongst almost everyone, we need to be a little more empathetic for those that have a problem, and we need to be a little tougher on those who are really the bad guys. The Senate also passed a bill this week aimed at stemming the skyrocketing number of deaths caused by fentanyl overdoses. It would create a new fentanyl-induced homicide law that upon conviction could carry a sentence of up to 30 years in prison. I'm Russ McKinney in Columbia. I know, that's why you tuned in this time. You were hoping and praying that Russ was going to be on and telling you what's going on at the State House because he didn't get a fix last week. But you can always hear Russ on South Carolina Public Radio and also SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And on the way out, Vice President Kamala Harris will be in Columbia on Monday to highlight progress of the administration's efforts to expand affordable high-speed internet nationwide. Earlier this week, Governor Henry McMaster was joined by Congressman Jim Clyburn and state broadband officials to announce Get Connected SC, a high-speed internet access and adoption campaign to transform how our citizens engage with the online world. It is designed to identify the areas of greatest need in our state, invest in broadband infrastructure to those areas, and provide support services to make that transformation possible for every home, business, and community organization in the state.
Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. And we're glad you're here. Honestly, I mean that. I'm, I'm honestly glad that you're here. It's our chance to talk, <laughs> just us, just talk about things, not news related. You know, the weather, how you're doing, how's your, how's your family doing? Uh, it's our time also to workshop our FM radio drive time voices, AT. Mm, um, yes. I've been doing a lot of driving Absolutely. in the Mustang. Um, I'm learning things about America doing that I've never Doing bits by yourself? Known. Doing, oh, we're, oh you, you wouldn't believe the bits. I have all this audio tape. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of tape for you to digest when we get tape, back. A lot of tape, a lot of notes. <laughs> but A.T. Shire, Leeds producer, good to see you. Good to hear from you again. You've been keeping me grounded, A.T. Thank you, yes. Ways you don't even know. I, that sounds to me like I'm just this heavy rock holding you back and down. Yes. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Suffocating me like these boots that I've been forced to wear all the time up here because uh, it's prison, so cold. Absolute prisons. Just want to let everyone know that it's 16 degrees here. It's been roughly around this temperature the entire time. Ooh, I yeah. haven't gone outside without a jacket on, but I'm told that... Uh, South Carolina, it's very similar, right? It's, it's almost the same. It is only, it's a, it is a mere 60 some odd degrees difference. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so basically the same. You'll feel completely normal when you get back here. No, yeah. uh, it is, it's so wrong how warm it is here. The pollen is out. I've had Ugh. cicadas outside my house. Like, what? It, it's February. It's, it's, this is sick and disgusting weather. It's you know? gray and cold here. There was ice. We missed this giant blizzard that moved through, thank God, because it all went north, Lucky, but I, yeah. I would have been stuck here. They would have tried to keep me here. They're trying to keep me here. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I just love, I just like, like, Gavin, everyone. Oh, it must be so, it must be glamorous on the road. Gavin, on the road. And at first, he was recording in nice hotel rooms. And now, here you are, sitting in your... Sports sedan. Yeah, I know. You're, 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 you're it was funny, because, again, they gave me the option. They're like, oh, do you want the Jeep Gladiator, which I had in New Hampshire, or do you want the Mustang? I was like... And give me the Mustang, cause I did, I looked at the weather. I was like, oh, we'll be okay, cause there's no. We asked for all-wheel drive. They don't have that. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. it's not. It's gonna be a little rainy, whatever. And it's a convertible Mustang, by the way, which I did. Of course, I did drive with the top down once because it was a balmy <laughs> 55 degrees on like Tuesday, and I was like, screw it. I'm just driving around town. Let me just do this. Uh, now it's like I said, 16 degrees. <laughs> I just I love that for you. 16 yeah. degrees in the front of your Mustang in your it's Stang. It's gray. It's sat in my Stang, but I keep always when I tell people this because I'm telling everyone that I talk to, I'm like, oh, it's a Ford Mustang. Like I, I'm like, you gotta brand it, right? It has to. It's I gotta not just say a, the whole a Ford thing, Mustang. Yeah. You're you're brand specific. I get that. No knockoff Stangs. Okay. <laughs> it's like one of the first things I talked to Brianna about when she like came down to get me at the Des Moines Register. I'm like. <laughs> I got a Mustang, a Ford Mustang. So every time I see her on the trail, she's like, how's the Mustang? I was like, she's a little challenged with the ice right now. You should see her out there. Anyway, Gavin, there's one thing before we go I yes. want to touch on. So Please. we went from uh, Chicken Tenderville up Capital. in New Hampshire, right? <laughs> yeah. And so now you're in Des Moines. What's the food like on the trail there? Let's talk well, about this. Because you sent me... A concerning photograph. <laughs> I'll preface it with this. I'm I'm staying in like West Des Moines, which is just a sprawling area of like shops and everything that you would ever want. Like there's an Ulta, there's a Texas Roadhouse, there's hotels, there's all these different things. Who like could you want would anything more? Who could want anything more than that? Ulta, <laughs> Texas Roadhouse, <laughs> Starbucks. Like, you know, there's also Trader Joe's. There's a Walmart. So I'm like a mile from the Trader Joe's. I was like, oh, this is great. I can buy groceries. I have a fridge. No microwave. Mm -hmm. Annoying. So I've just really been kind of subsisting off of chicken pesto wraps from like uh, Trader Joe's and everyone's like, what do you mean you're not going to the local bakery? And then I'm like, baby, when I'm not like running around carrying gear all day, I'm like shoveling whatever basic food I have in my mouth. 
Yeah. You ask. You always ask what I am like. Why I only eat basic foods all the time? It's because this is what my true self is: running yes. and gunning, grabbing anything for sustenance, and then living. Now, on my day off, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go somewhere nice. Maybe I'll do something nice. Didn't really get around to doing that. I did go to a local gas station chain called Casey's General Store, which my friend Mary Green at WIS said, you got to go have a breakfast pizza. And I was like, Jesus. At the gas station. At the gas station. At the gas station. As one does. This is the photograph that we're getting to finally. And I want to, well, I have to describe my eating habits because they're just tragic as we know. I have a loaf of bread in the bag too. I'm going to bring with me on the plane. Um, Good for you. (laughs) It's good Trader Joe's bread. Good for you. Pan. So I go to the gas station. It's not quite a Sheets. It's it's a sadder version. But mm. the only thing Ooh. that you can order there is the pizzas. I was like, okay, give me this breakfast pizza. Uh, I had to order a small, which was fine. But it was just it's cheese, and I think there's some there. Then I got the sausage version, so it's like cheese, white cheese. I think there's a cheddar cheese in there too. I think there's some egg. I couldn't really distinguish it because I've been eating no all these red sad. Sauce. No red. No, sauce. there's no sauce. No, I didn't detect any sauce. Very sad. And, it, and, and the, it goes in line with all my sad breakfasts that I've been having at the hotel, the, too. The pallor of this pizza, the color of it, was just unnaturally pale. Yes. Like, um, it, was, it was concerning. I was scared for you, honestly. And uh, I'm glad you have the, the Mustang to really up the levels. It, you yes. Know? It really boosted it my immune system. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anything, it made me more strong. Um, <laughs> What doesn't kill strength. you does make you stronger. We do I, know that. I, that is I, law. I did, uh, you know, the, I, it's been like 12 hours since I had the pizza. I'm yeah. still here. I have had no negative reaction to it. I don't think your body, even with your pill to handle your, um, yeah, your, my, your my dairy situation. Yeah. I don't think uh, it, it wouldn't help at all. It'd just be like. <laughs> <laughs> this was pure kryptonite for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so we've gone from the food, you know, the, the chicken tender capital to uh, gas station pizza, breakfast just, pizza. What so. is this? I, I don't understand. I, 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 I texted Gavin and I said, were both these places settled by seven-year-olds? Like, <laughs> And AT, before we get out, I haven't, I, we didn't talk about this last time, but the combos, the combo selection are you on fire out here. You sent me quite a picture. You sent in me the, quite a picture. In New Hampshire, when I, when I was getting a set, a sad gas station bottle of wine. I also got a bag of sad combos, the blue cheese buffalo sauce combos, oh, which oh, was not God. natural in any way. Not that combos are natural, but this is not right. If and you then, told me that the insides of those were blue, <laughs> I would have believed you. You know, like the smell like, was very off-putting. But yeah. once you started eating, stop the, it. The, stop <laughs> you it. Couldn't stop, stop it. Eating. Gavin, you the, the, are the food you chemical are, engineers know what they're doing. I will say no. Okay, but before we go at the Casey's, though, I was milling around while I had my seven minutes before they made my pizza. Either gas station pizza, yeah. And I was like, do I get the garlic cheese parmesan combos to top this all off? And I thought mm. to myself, I can't. I can't consume any more salt and empty calories on this you trip. You need to come home just. You need to come home just to detox. You're going to need a full detox. I need, I need my steel cut oats. I need, like, <laughs> just bland chicken and my rice. Like, I just need I need quality. This is an absolute unholy <laughs> union of My body's of like, food. why? Yeah, this is bad. So you got to come home, okay? Yeah. Everyone wish Gavin uh, safe Sa- travels. Safe he travels. Will be, he will be in the state come Monday and Tuesday. So let's yeah. go, Gavin, okay? Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Your thoughts and prayers, I have felt them. My, my gastrointestinal tract has felt them, too. Uh, but thank you again for listening to the pod, guys. We can't wait to hear from you guys. You can do that by calling 803-563-7169. Let me know what you thought about the travels, 
Um, what you liked, what you didn't like. If you didn't like it, don't call because I don't care. <laughs> but you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I've been driving this entire episode. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.